Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Colette Curdian is today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast. Colette is a founder of three venture-backed consumer health and beauty-related startups. Her most recent company, Joylex, was founded in 2014 and is a global femtech company that has developed a range of light-based devices and products that help with women's intimate health. She's an incredible supporter of women, innovator, consumer marketer, award winner, and mother. Welcome, Colette. Thank you, Sean. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. We're going to start with rapid fire. Um, okay, you ready? Oh, my gosh. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Um, who's your hero? Oh, well, my dad, uh, of course. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away uh, eight oh, years ago, which I'm is sorry. really sad because uh, now I have a beautiful son and I, you know, wish more than anything that they would have met. Um, oh. But he is definitely my hero. I love that. I just got back from a trip with my dad. Um, Cherish every moment. I, I yeah. do. <laughs> Good. I do. Um, what's a skin product that you can't live without? Uh, es- uh, Retin-A. Oh, interesting. Yes. Because like Retin-A or just any retinol? A retinol-based product, depending on uh, what you know where you are with your skin. But at the end of the day, all that other crap that we put on doesn't really do anything. But Retin-A or a retinol-based product does. And it helps regenerate the skin cells. And that's what we need on a, okay. a definitely on a I have it at basis. home and I just forget to use it yeah, all the time. Best anti-aging product. All that other stuff is just hocus pocus. Okay. Good to know. Who is a woman you most admire? Oh, well, we were just talking. You can't say your mom. No, we were just talking about this. RBG, hello. I mean, what she has done for women is amazing. And uh, today I I look at the progress we've had, but I see that we have so much farther to go. And to see her leadership and she's still hanging on. Just give us a couple more years. I know. We do need to bubble wrap her for sure. Um, Is there a book that you most often recommend? I I do. You're going to laugh when I say this, uh, coming from the woman that's never been married. Uh, But I find myself uh, often talking about the book, The Five Love Languages. Oh, I love that book. What's your love language? Uh, Oh, definitely. words of of, service? No, no, not at all. It's actually words of affirmation and touch. Okay. I will give you both. I will (laughs) touch you you across the table (laughs) and tell you how amazing you are. You are amazing. That's why you're here. Um, Interesting. I think that's a really important book. I totally agree. Um, If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh, I'm heading to Morocco any day now. I just wait. Did you book it yet? I'm not yet. Can I go with you? Exactly. I know. End of end of this month probably. But I just got back from there and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I cannot. Yes, I was there a month ago and I cannot wait to get back. And who did you go with? Uh, A friend. And we went there kind of not knowing what to expect. And so we didn't spend a lot of time there. But I fell in love with the beauty of the people, the the architecture, the 
But the... Did you buy any rugs? Oh, of course. Yeah. Rugs, pillows, argon oil, you name it. Oh, man. I know. I need to get there. Okay. Two more questions for you. Um, What is your special ninja skill at work? At work? (laughs) Outside of work. Okay. I saw that face. I'm like... My ninja skill, uh, I think uh, it's totally uh, my ability to multitask to a level that is extreme and really pisses people off because I'll have 10, you know, 15 things in my brain that I'm working on and I'm, uh, okay, where are we on this? Where are we on this? And, uh, I think it's great. I have the same. That's kind of one of my You kind of have to be if you're a mom, Yeah. right? Yeah. And and also just running a company, I think you have to have a lot on your mind. Exactly. All the time. All the and you time. you have to be able to balance it all. Yeah. Okay, last question is a fun one. Beyonce or Lady Gaga? Ooh, you know, I danced to both of them um, at a fundraiser for uh, raising money for uh, Plymouth Housing for Homeless, and I had the privilege of being Beyonce and Lady Gaga. And I have to say, I kind of liked Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga rules. Have you seen her movie? Uh, oh, Five yeah. foot two or whatever. Oh no 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 not that one. I thought you meant A Star Is Born. Oh well, that absolutely in love with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. I love her voice and Bradley Cooper by my side. And yeah. you know I've been to heaven. Yeah exactly. And aren't you kind of like hoping that they get together? I totally. I, I like would be love such their... a disappointment if they didn't. I'm in it's... love with their dynamic. I know it's I like know. a the ultimate love story. You have to see the documentary on her. Okay. She is the bomb. All right. I She's will have amazing. To watch I already that. loved her, but then I saw her documentary and. I love her. She's, she's just, she doesn't give a, f- you yeah. know, I have to use my, choose my words here, but she just she does give, what she wants. Enough. Yeah. She just does what she wants to do. Yeah. Awesome. I haven't really even talked to you about the format of the the podcast, but a lot of it is just my curiosity and like how people become who they become and what drives them and fuels them along the way. Um, so I've obviously known you for what, 30 years, 25 oh my gosh. years? A really long time. It's been five years. We just graduated high school. I've known, <laughs> I've known you for a really long yes. time, but we I left Seattle, so I lost touch yeah. with you. Um, and what you've done since college has been incredibly impressive. I know you grew up here in Seattle. I did. What would we have found if we had met you back then? Interestingly, uh, I was a lot quieter back then, and I think it goes back to I lacked confidence. And so... Um, I was less sure of myself. I, so because of that, I was, um, I didn't speak up. I didn't engage as much. And so I think part of that experience is what fuels me today because I see how, uh, what difference, um, it is in people's lives when they are confident, when Mm -hmm. they feel good about themselves, when they can express themselves. And so what motivates me and, and why I do a lot of what I do is to help women feel more confident about themselves, whether it's the beauty or health, which I'm in today. Uh, ultimately confidence is a game changer for women. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And tell me about your upbringing though. Your dad, you mentioned was your hero. Um, were your parents married when you grew up? Uh, th- actually, they divorced when I was young, but the key to uh, a happy family was that they stayed friends. Mm-hmm. And so we celebrated all the holidays together. And, and and to the day that my father passed away, my mother was right by his side. So oh, that's, that's very enduring. They just weren't a great, you know, married couple. But yeah. they and you have siblings? very good friends. Uh, unfortunately, I lost uh, one of my sisters. Uh, yes, yes. Um, now, 16 years ago. So that was devastating. Um, but I have an awesome older sister. and um, So you're the middle? I was the youngest. You're the youngest, yeah. and you lost 
uh, the middle child, so, uh, sister. So we are all seven years apart. So my oh older my uh, sister is uh, 14 years older than me. And so growing up, we weren't close. But now that we're adults, um, we are inseparable. We spend a lot of time together. That's amazing. And would they have said, and your parents and your friends, even though you were shy, like I see a little something in Oh, yeah. So that's the funny thing. I was shy if you didn't know me. But back home, I was, you know, just this crazy, wild, funny uh, child. They they said it was in our in my senior book, um, the parents were allowed to write something about their child. And my parents wrote, you always made us laugh. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So you were like the little fireball. That's always the baby, right? How old were you when you first recognized that you had leadership skills? Yeah, great question, because it it didn't happen until um, I went to work for uh, a local company, Mavron, and worked under Dan Levitan. And in fact, I, I you and I were talking, you just did a podcast with him. And up until that point, I was, again, pretty quiet and uh, reserved and didn't speak up. And what I realized in that experience is that I actually had a lot to contribute and I knew as much as anybody else. And I kind of, um, uh, you know, was forced to in an environment that was very uh, high energy. um, The world of venture capital is, uh, you know, cutthroat. You got to, you know, get the best deals. You got to please your investors. And so you kind of had to jump into survive. And so that's when I think I, it was the turning point for me getting my voice and uh, speaking up. Well, you went to UW. That's where we met. Um, And how did you choose UW? Oh, (laughs) truthfully? You were just like, you just walked in. Well, back then it wasn't like it is now. Well, right. I mean, well, it was a great school. No, I know. But like the process of applying to college wasn't like, I have a few friends and people have been on the podcast who are like, yeah, I just kind of walked in. Yeah. I mean, mean, Jane Park, do you obviously know Jane Park? Her story of applying to college is crazy. You have to listen to the podcast, but yes. it's it's different now. Yeah, so no, it's definitely different. Um, truthfully, it was because um, I, there was a boy. <laughs> Oh. And I followed a boy. So actually, my first year, I went to UPS, okay. but was in love with uh, a guy in at UW, and I was spending all my time driving between Tacoma and Seattle, and so I transferred. Um, but I really wanted to go out of, sc- um, out of state to school. I wanted to go down to California. I wanted to pursue uh, the entertainment world. So, in fact, I ended up going to Pepperdine for grad I, school. I know. Malibu. Yeah. I looked at Pepperdine for undergrad, and that's a beautiful campus. It's so Not beautiful. even really a campus, just like it's like yeah. a country club. It is a How did you choose club. Pepperdine, and why did you get an MBA? Uh, well, um, again, when I was in um, uh, college, um, and I just didn't feel like I had the tools. I wasn't quite ready to really tackle the world. I... I I felt like there was so much more that I needed to learn and do. And so um, I chose a master's program and I was on the younger side. They mm-hmm. typically recommend that you, you know, get a have couple years experience. of experience. Yeah. So you went straight from undergrad. So I went straight. Did um, someone give you that advice? Because I feel like there's not many people who did that. No, this was totally on my own. I, I paid for it. It was my. With you know, what money? Oh, God, student loans. Oh, painful. Painful entering the work uh, workforce with eighty thousand of debt back then eighty thousand yeah of debt. now it's now like it'd eighty thousand a year exactly it'd be five hundred thousand of debt um, but 
you know, I did it. And thank God I did, because mm-hmm. that really woke me up. That that gave me a reality shock. <laughs> what did you think? Did you think then that you wanted to go into entertainment? I did. I was always been fascinated with the entertainment world. Um, I, from a young age, uh, was part of theater. I, I did a lot of acting, uh, probably because that gave me the opportunity to use my voice and speak up, but in a protected environment because it, I was being a character. I yes. wasn't being me. Uh, but I also realized I did not have what it would take to be a star or a, mm-hmm. a movie or an, a TV it's actor. It's not too late. It could be like Colette 4.0. I, exactly. Or that or my dancing, yeah. right? Or your dancing. We could just go on the road. <laughs> exactly. We'll go to Morocco. Perfect. Start dancing. Yeah. So I figured I would uh, tackle the entertainment world on the business side. Interesting. Yeah, so that's and I so went. during that time, it sounds like you were pretty focused and pretty driven. And did you ever have a rebellious phase or a phase where you were like, no. eh, I just kind of want to get married and have kids? No. One of the things going back to my dad being my hero is that he instilled in me values. And from an early age, he always said, um, I don't know if I believe this to today, but his motto was, um, love many, trust few, paddle your own canoe. And so because of that, uh, I was really motivated to be self-sufficient and, and driven to take care of myself and, and um, pursue a, a career uh, as opposed to motherhood. Uh, and so I always had a big master plan. And so the career, the, what I chose to get a degree in was starting with economics because I knew that was, a, you know, a good fundamental base for business. And then I went on and got my MBA and specialized in finance because I knew that was important to have the understanding of, you know, how p works, how accounting works, all of that. Ultimately, though, my passion in my heart and is how you communicate with customers, the marketing side, um, building a brand. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had to get the fundamentals in, build mm-hmm. that strong foundation. And so when you graduated at Pepperdine, did you come right back to Seattle? I did. And what made you decide to do that instead I, of just I, staying I, in I know. I, I wanted to pursue a, a career in entertainment. And guess what? On the business side is just as tough on oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. acting side. So what was your first job out of? So I lucked out. I... Um, my last quarter, I had I contacted Pepsi to do a thesis, a financial thesis on the company, and I contacted a the uh, the division here in Seattle because my family was here, so I was still going back and forth, and I ended up writing like a two hundred page thesis on Pepsi finances of Pepsi. And I presented to them, not with the intent of getting a job, just like you've given me the opportunity to interview you and you opened your books for me and here's the final report. And they were so impressed that they offered me a job. And it was a very good job and coming right out of college looking at, you know, $80,000 worth of debt. I kind of said, okay, I have to go for it. So I... I, What a great foundation, Pepsi. Incredible. How long were you there? Uh, Just almost four years. Yeah. uh, And uh, that led me to Starbucks because at the time Starbucks had announced they were expanding into Europe. And uh, being a Sagittarius, I like to travel and explore the world. And um, so I felt like it was a wonderful uh, um, company for me to pursue to get that international experience. And did you? No. (laughs) 
isn't that funny? I ended but up. But you learned a lot about coffee. <laughs> I did. No, what actually happened is that was when uh, Dan Levitan started uh, Mavron, mm-hmm. and I was reading about it in the Wall Street Journal. I had just started Starbucks. I was there no more than six months, and I was like, oh my gosh, every girl's not not every girl's every person's dream if you've been in finance is to work in venture capital. So I contacted Dan, and his whole premise behind the company was it was focused on consumer brands. I, I told so, him that. I said, it's so sexy. He's like, well, it's only sexy depending on the cycle of the where the economy exactly. is. But, I mean, everybody wants to consume. I mean, I'm a consumer. Well, so. and that's the whole thing. Women are what we represent, 80%, 80% yeah. of the consumer. And, and so my pitch to Dan was, you need to hire me because I'm a woman and I'll understand yeah. what you know deals are best because ultimately I'm the consumer. Women are really well represented at Mavron and yeah. in the portfolio. Yeah, it's impressive. Exactly. Yeah. So then you went there and realized maybe... Oh, it was intense. He was, uh, I tell Dan to this day, I say, I learn more from you than in, you know, anywhere. Uh, It was an intense time because it was uh, at the... First of the dot com. Remember back mm-hmm. in, yeah. you know, where everything was going great and all of a sudden it just fell apart. Yeah. And so it was a really tough time. Um, ultimately, I wanted to get back into building, you know, uh, brands and mm-hmm. companies that. And, and you ended up at Starbucks I for went eight back years. To, yeah, to Starbucks. And wow. that was an incredible journey because I had uh, the ability to create and innovate in a company that had such a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was had nothing to do with star uh, coffee. It was all these it's customer things. loyalty. Yeah. And... So the Starbucks card, that was my baby. Um creating uh um the loyalty program, yeah. working on the the first wireless network. I mean Starbucks today gets a lot of uh, credit for all the innovation. Um, but we started that back in the early 2000s, working yeah. on the technology wasn't quite ready at the time, but we had the vision. We were thinking of all these great applications and what we can do. And eventually the technology caught up with what we wanted to do. That's amazing. What a cool company as far as how far it's come. And when you ultimately left Starbucks, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with Caladora? Is Caladora your first thing? Yes. In fact, the idea came from my experience at Starbucks. So one of the cool um, things... Well, first tell us about Caladora. Like, what is Caladora? Well, let me me go back to how I got to Caladora. So at Starbucks, I was tasked with going and finding new business opportunities for us to invest in that were outside of coffee. So to leverage the infrastructure that we had, but to build new business and... I, I was introduced to the former president of Revlon, who had started a skin clinic in New York City. And I went and I absolutely fell in love. And the, the idea behind it was taking what has been traditionally done in dermatologist's office, which um, going to the doctors is is never a fun experience, but bringing that to, in a very consumer-friendly, spa-like environment, but having it be the me- medical aesthetics, the the tradi- um, traditional medicine, not not massages, not you know uh, fluffy facials. Yeah. It's using lasers, it's using um, Botox, it's using chemicals to really help with the anti aging process. So, long story short, um, we did not invest in the company. It did not make sense for Starbucks to make that type of investment. But I said, this is something I could get really passionate about, and so I decided to do it on my own. 
And how did you go about and telling them and getting yeah, funded? And, and that's uh, what started the uh, whole birth of Caladoras. Um, I, you know, my, my boss at the time, uh, Ann Sanders, um, she didn't take it too well. We had a really great working relationships uh, and we had done a lot of cool things. Um, so it was, uh, you know, I think it it's was hard. hard. It's like a breakup. It is. It yeah. is. And I had such admiration and respect for her. So that was tough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I started, and at the time when I started for Seattle, maybe Los Angeles is a different story, but Seattle is, was not a beauty market. Uh, you know, we joke, but Seattle was Patagonia and oh, yeah. Birkenstock. White Sox and exactly. Birkenstock. <laughs> and I'd like to think I had something to do with that change because what we ended up doing was building out what became today is the traditional medical spa, and they're all over the country. I think there's something like 10,000 mm -hmm. of them. How many were there when you started? Oh, not that many. Um, but what we did is we really took it from a uh, traditionally a medical-focused environment to one that was really consumer-friendly. So I took all the best things I learned at Starbucks and how you care for a customer and how you create this incredible brand and this experience, and I applied it to this new business model. And, um, you know, the first year you, we had our struggles, but out of the gate, people were really embracing what we were doing. And by the time I ended up selling the company, we had become the third largest purchasers of Botox in the country. Are you serious? Yes. So Allergan, the makers of Botox, we uh, they're loving they you. They knew us by name. <laughs> the president knew us by name because we were buying so much. But what I felt was such a major accomplishment is that Seattle, in terms of beauty, wasn't even on the map. Yeah. The Northwest and beauty and Botox, forget about it. And by the time we left, we had really created. How many stores did you have? By the time? Uh, the eight. We had eight, and unfortunately, with the the. 2008 recession, we had to close um, four in the um, California market. But the four here in Seattle were still going strong. In fact, they were growing um, during that really tough time because it goes back to confidence. And what we were doing is we were giving women who um, were in their 40s and their 50s what now had become a very competitive um, work environment, employment market, right? Because people were losing their jobs. So in order to compete, you had to, you had to, you're competing with 20-year-olds. So a lot of women, we helped kind of give them that you know, that beauty back, that mm -hmm. anti-aging, that look, that built up their confidence. Then they felt that they could compete with the younger, uh, you know, men and women because they felt and looked younger. Mm -hmm. So about, you know, giving that confidence, empowering women to look their best. And who funded it? Oh, gosh. Um, I had amazing um, investors, angel investors. I had um, Fluke uh, uh, VC, so mm -hmm. it was our first uh, venture capital. How much did you raise? Um, I think uh, just over, I mean, now we're going back quite a few years, uh, just over $10 million. Wow. And so how yeah. was that? Because obviously all the talk of women and trying to pitch an idea and that like 2%. Oh, yeah. Of so venture I, funding goes to women. And then on top of it, you add in an industry that men are unfamiliar exactly. with. Exactly. That's who you're pitching to. And now, I mean, we can go through all of your experiences are the same. Yeah. So I have to admit, back then, it was a little easier um, than it is now. And why is that? 
Uh, I think it was because uh, I just was at the right place at the right time, and I had built a pretty solid um, network. Um, being working in venture capital, I had a lot of connections. The time when we raised money, it was a hot, um, booming time again. So this was before the financial crisis. It was coming out of the dot-com burst, so people were looking for going back to investing in traditional mm-hmm. businesses. Uh, and just it just kind of was the right mm-hmm. time. Were you Being, nervous with all the liability that goes into that business or just understanding, you know, uh, what if somebody was, gets like a droopy eye oh, or yeah, all you know. the stuff that can go wrong? See, what if someone gets burnt by a laser? Yeah. And, and so what we did to overcome um, those challenges is that we really put in great training and great protocol. So we over-invested in our staff because ultimately I wanted to make sure that every experience a woman had um, would be the top, it would be the best. In fact, at the end of the day, any person um, before we allowed them to treat a patient had to treat me. I figured I'd put my face out there. If if they couldn't do a good job on me, then I wouldn't allow them to see patients. Um, and because of it, we had the best of the best. And that meant they were highly recruited. So we spent all this money training and building uh uh, their um, customer base, and then they were, you know, mm-hmm. everybody wanted to recruit from mm-hmm. us. But to this day, the company, which uh, was sold to Skin Spirit, to this day, it is now, um, I, I believe, the number one um, skin clinic and uh, soon to be the number one in the world. Uh, they just raised something like uh, $60 million or $80 million. And how did you decide to sell? Well, so after the recession hit and we had to close four stores, um, we were looking at a pretty strong business, but it was a four-store medical spa business. And me personally, from my career and what I wanted to do, I wanted to conquer the world. I wanted to create the next major global brand. And I felt that running a four-store clinic here in the Northwest, while it was fulfilling in the sense that I was making a difference in women's lives, it wasn't... Uh, really taking me to the next level. And that's when I looked at, okay, how could I create a product that can scale on a global basis? Mm-hmm. And, and so that kind of led me to where my where I am today and, and, and the journey I had over the you know, last seven years. Mm-hmm. Well, you started Janu. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that that's being sold on Amazon and a lot of people have had a lot of success with it. Was that birthed out of kind of what you saw at Caladora, which yeah, is like, let me give this exactly. device so to people to Janu, use at home. Exactly. So was a, or is, an anti-aging um, beauty tool to help women reduce wrinkles and fine lines uh, around their eyes and their faces. And um, in Seattle, we had a huge success with a company called Clarisonic, which was the really the world's first home-use beauty device. And um, they just hit it out of the park. Uh, they started in, I don't know, was it 2000? And two, ultimately selling to L'Oreal for $600 million. So huge success. It's now sold all over the world. And so I said, okay, that's a business that can scale. It's based in beauty, which is something I'm very passionate about, but it's a product that you can sell. So we looked at, here is a, um, and, and 
Janu was not a company I founded. I was actually brought into it in the early, early stages. It was founded by two engineers that had the idea and had the technology, but didn't have the marketing or the consumer experience like I, I brought to the table. But what I loved about Janu, it allowed us to build a product that could scale, uh, that could have a positive impact on women around the world. Um, and, uh, you know, it gave me a great platform. What happened, though, was as we were in going through this journey, I decided to become a mom. Mm. And that changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. Because during this journey, I announced to my girlfriends, I'm, I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to become a mom. It's if I don't do it now, I'll miss the boat. Did you freeze your eggs or how did you, how old were you when you were? Oh, I was in my early forties. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you hear about women. I just met someone who had a baby at like 50 something. Oh, well, I don't Things know how they could do that. I know it's changing, but I just physically wouldn't have yeah. the energy. My, my last born was born at 39. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm a toddler, a toddler tired. at 50. No. Yeah. Uh, but what happened is they uh, sat down with me and we were having a glass of wine. I said, okay, girls, I, I it's time I do this. I'm going to go freeze my eggs. I'm going to do whatever it takes uh, to ensure that I can be a mom someday. And they laughed. They said, okay, well, just be prepared because every time you laugh, you're going to pee your pants. And I looked at them. I said, what in the world are you talking about? And they said, oh, yeah. Part of being a mom is that you stretch out your pelvic floor and you lose bladder control. And, and that means that you're going to pee your pants every time you sneeze. And no one had ever shared that with me. I just it's assumed. It's always one of those things where you don't know until you're in it. Exactly. And then you're like, oh. Oh, oh. Like the donut that you get after the yeah, sit on Exactly, it. exactly. And so I just assumed that women gained weight and the biggest struggle was taking the weight off. But I, what I did is I went and did my research and learned that women experience so many issues related to pregnancy and childbirth. And then as that isn't bad enough, we go through age and the loss of estrogen. All these things have a huge impact on the health of our pelvic floor and our, our vaginal tissue. And so at that moment, I said, wait a minute. There's got to be something for There's this. There's got to be something better. And here I am building a beauty device in a category that is enormous, but oh my gosh, there are tons of beauty devices. Saturated. It's saturated. And while our technology was innovative, I'm still competing with billion dollar, you know, companies. So literally I had a pivotal moment in my career and I said I could stick with beauty and I love it and it's we've got so much farther to go or I can reshift my focus into a category that is virtually untapped. Mm -hmm. There was no one really looking at these issues and using technology to treat these issues. Everything is, was so antiquated. It was so outdated. Women kind of were just told to suck it up. You're going to pee your pants. Fine. Wear pads. Uh, you have dryness. Here, use some creams. But how could we fundamentally change the health of the tissue and the muscles using technology? And that's mm -hmm. where I said, I had this, ah. Uh -huh. And that was before you got pregnant with Coleman. Oh, yeah. Did you do a sperm donor? Oh, I ended up doing a sperm donor. So what happened is, so now I have this idea. So now, but I'm, I'm also focused on being a mom. So I yeah. went to the um, uh, Seattle Reproductive and I said, here's where I'm at. I want to freeze my eggs. And they said, oh, no, you're too old. 
your your eggs look really bad. We don't even think you can get pregnant. And I went, what? What? Like, here I have been building businesses. Yeah, what do you mean you're telling me I can't do something? When anybody tells me I can't do something, that just motivates me more. Can't is a word that doesn't exist in my vocabulary. So I said, okay, well, what are my options? And they're like, well, we can try, but we'd recommend that you uh, do an embryo because the chances of a fertilized embryo, so get sperm, get your eggs, freeze that, are would be higher. Than freeze just, them together. Right. You're, so we're freezing an actual embryo versus just freezing your eggs. Hmm. And so, okay, that meant I had to go find a sperm donor. What's that process oh, like? It's like? I've heard it's fun. It's like buying shoes. Right. You're just like flipping through. You're like, I don't know, 6'2". Yes, exactly. Where do you go to college? Exactly. It's actually pretty funny. Did you so do it by yourself? I, I did the searching by myself, but I ultimately took the results that I liked, and I sat down with my girlfriends, the same ones that told me I was going to pee my pants, and we literally went through all the potential donors, and they gave us, you know, gave me their opinions, and ultimately I, I made a decision. But it's like buying shoes. Well, you, of course. You go in and you say what size you want, what color you want, down, uh, you know, to you. ultimately you have your designer did, sperm. Did anyone, your designer sperm, you got the designer child. I mean, I gorgeous. Oh, oh my God. goodness. Good job on that one. Thank you. Um, did anyone give you any kind of shit for it or doubt you in any way? Oh, yeah. My mom being the biggest uh, critic uh, and, you know, just feeling like this wasn't the way nature intended it and what was I doing and I couldn't raise a child on my own. And yeah, it was very tough. I did not have support from her. Um, at the time, my father had already passed, so he wasn't around, uh, although I'm sure he would have loved it. He would have supported me. Um, so it was really tough. And, you know, I have a, an awesome group of women that I can supported tell. me. I can tell from the way you're talking about your girlfriends. They're kind of your ride or die, exactly. the I've got you type of girlfriends, which can be, I think, pretty much the most powerful thing. Yeah. I'm sure, though, there were lots of, you know, women out there that were gossiping about me and and questioning what I was doing. And but you know what? That that doesn't matter. What's matter? What matters is what I want and what I think is best for um, me and my future. And so, long story short, I started going down this process with IVF, and it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even getting the eggs to allow fertilization. And um, when you go through the process, they need at least five. They need you to produce at least five healthy eggs uh, to extract to then fertilize those. On average, a woman produces, you know, one egg, and that's all that's ever needed if you're doing it the natural way. But in IVF, you need at least five. And I was, you know, in some cases not getting one. Uh, If I got one, it wasn't a healthy one. And so six months and $50,000 later, they say, this isn't working. And they said, we think you now need to consider being getting an egg donor. And I looked at them and I said, well, we are going down this path of IVF, but I'm producing an egg, right? And they're like, yeah, we're getting one egg on a good month. And I said, well, let's just try it the good old fashioned way. So they looked at me and they said, well, we think you have less than a 1% chance of getting pregnant. And I said, well, that's 1%. It's not zero. (laughs) I actually said it's 50%. Because in my world, either things happen or they don't. 
50-50. And so they said, okay. So the next month we gave it a try and they, I went through that. It's called an IUI and they injected the sperm in me. And wouldn't you know it, 10 days, not even 10 days. I, I knew, I knew the minute they did it, I knew that it was going to work and I could feel I was pregnant. And I was telling my girlfriends, I think I'm pregnant. And they're like, Colette, you don't know. You have to wait two weeks. It's too early. And I'm like, no, I can feel it. And I remember doing the first pregnancy test way before you're supposed to, but I was just determined. I had, I would, this was a goal. I was going to succeed. And sure enough, it came back with a faint line. And I knew, I knew I was pregnant and I call and they're like, nope, you can't come in. Uh, you have to wait the full two weeks. And sure enough, by the, the second week I went in and not only was I pregnant, my numbers, the hormone levels, whatever, I can't remember today what it's called. It was off the chart. That's such an incredible story. It's so great. What a blessing. It was such a blessing. I and mean, this kid was meant were to Were you be. nervous the whole time you were pregnant? No. And it was a super easy pregnancy. And it, it was so healthy. At one point, my OBGYN said, you need to stop coming sing me because everything is looking so good. I can only mess you up by, you know, poking and prodding. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, that's such a cool story. I didn't know the story. Yeah. I love that. And now I have what hands down has been the greatest thing in my life, Coleman. He yeah. is, it's, you know, he and I, um, so obviously through, you could tell I'm not married and I did this on my own. And do you want to be married or no? Yeah, gosh. <laughs> I want a partner. I, I'd, I Sure. I'd someone love, to hang with. Yeah, I'd love to have a, a male companion that we can share in the ups and downs of life. And does it mean I have to get married? No. Has um, it been helpful to meet men now that you have a child and we're on the same page? Because most people our age have kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's been helpful because you go in with the right intentions. Like, you know, this is what I have. And and um, you're either going to be supportive or not. My kid and I, there, there's that song, Just the Two of Us. Mm -hmm. And he and I play it and we dance around and we just, we have an amazing, an amazing life. We are so happy. And sure, I'd love to have a, a dad or some male in his life. Mm -hmm. um, but he is surrounded by awesome, my friends, his his godfather, his uncles. I mean, he has some um, really great male leadership in his life. Um, so it's not the end of the world. It's um, not the end of the world at all. There's every form of family these days. I mean, everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. It's it's more likely that it's some form of blended family or adopted family or uncles in most families. That's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. What so. a beautiful story. I love that. That's really cool. So then, okay, so you have Coleman. Where in that process oh, did you start so, Joylex? Yeah, so I had, um, so I resigned from Janu. Uh, they asked me to help sell the company at that point because I was a major driver of that company's um, uh, success and future. So I ended up selling the company. Um, and from that, you know, the minute that we signed the papers, the very next day, I started with Joylex and uh, had raised money um, early on from uh, a, an investor who I initially approached about the idea, and he was on board. So that that early money came. I don't want to say easy, but it was um, it, it was easier than most people have. Mm -hmm. um, but Did now, you have, were there any competitors? No. So to this day, we are. 
um, the world's first uh, home use device that uses energy uh, technology to treat the vaginal tissue, uh, to restore it, to rebuild collagen, to mm -hmm. increase blood flow. And so today we are the only company in the world that has done that. There are in-office procedures that you can do that do the same thing, but they're, you know, big lasers and they're expensive. Um, where we were coming from and what, why I was so driven is to create a home product because treating the vagina, let's be honest, it's, it's still a, a taboo topic. It still makes women uncomfortable. So I wanted women to do it in the comfort of their home, the privacy of their home. Mm -hmm. And how I, do you measure its success? Oh, well, um, easily, because we know through clinical studies, uh, if a woman leaks less, um, both using objective and subjective measurements, that's success. So if she struggles with incontinence and she uses our product and six weeks later she doesn't leak or doesn't leak as much, that's success. Mm -hmm. with, same with vaginal dryness. If she doesn't experience uh, you know, the dryness or doesn't have pain with intercourse, uh, that's success. Mm -hmm. And what I love that is that we are literally changing women's lives. We are giving them such an, uh, a renewed outlook, giving them that confidence. It's different. It's internal versus in my previous jobs, they were, it was about external beauty. But what makes a woman a woman? It's all connected, it, mind, all, body, yeah, outside, it's inside. it's all connected. Yeah. And so tell me how it's been received. I mean, I'm sure everybody wants to talk to you about it at the parties, and I'm sure everyone's pulling you aside in that kind of, oh, my gosh, I'm experiencing that, yes. you know? Um, so while are I'm, you tired of talking about vaginas? No, no. I talk about vaginas every single day, and it's so funny because when we are at a, a party, when I'm at a party, a cocktail party, I hear it all. And I'm like, you do realize I'm not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could certainly give you my opinions on right. what's going on. Well, I'm sure the same thing happened like, oh, do I need Botox? Yeah. What oh, would yeah. you recommend for exactly. you know, laser treatment? Yeah. But I certainly know enough. And I've, I'm fortunate that I have this amazing OBGYN as my partner, Dr. Sarah Dilatori, And she has certainly helped me um, get up to speed um, so that I can speak, um, you know, as intelligently intelligently yeah, especially it, since i talk with doctors about this every day because we sell through doctors offices yes that's what i was going to ask you so you go straight through doctors offices and mm -hmm. so you have sales people who are calling in almost like doing medical sales exactly i mean ultimately that's what it is we sell to doctors and then those doctors sell to their patients and it they sell it for 399 uh 495 495 okay and are there um does insurance Cover this? Not yet. Um, uh, that in itself is a whole big process. Mm -hmm. So we'll eventually get there. Mm -hmm. um, but like uh, the analogy is um, a lot of women today, they're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars out of pocket to treat these issues. So if you look at incontinence, the average woman who experiences stress incontinence is spending anywhere between 700 to 1500 a year on panty liners or incontinence pads. Uh, a woman who experiences dryness, who has a prescription for an estrogen-based cream, her out-of-pocket copay is sixty to a hundred dollars a month. So again, that adds up to you know well over or close to or well over a thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. So women are spending a lot of money out of pocket today, and so for 
our technology, even though we don't have insurance yet, to ask a woman to pay, you know, $495 to literally change the health of her tissue, to us, that's really quite a value. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And so it was featured on Goop? Oh, yes. So, and how did that impact business? Because I'm a Goop follower. Oh, good, good. In fact, we just, I don't know if you saw on their Instagram last week. So that was a situation where they came to us. So we sell primarily through doctors. And, um, but ultimately, um, you know, women really want to buy online because of the private nature of this issue. And, and we do have our website. And women come to us um, today and buy on our website. But we really wanted to build up that credibility and that n- endorsement from the physician. So if you walked in and you saw that your OBGYN was recommending it, then you are more likely to want to try it. And so that's why we've been focused on that channel. So someone at Goop went into their doctors down in Beverly Hills, one of the doctors that carries our product, and this doctor was raving about it. And so they called us up and said, we want to carry your product. And I said, oh, you mean like next to the vaginal jade egg? <laughs> you just got so much, uh, you know, grief for And what they had done because of that is they brought in a whole scientific team um, where they really get down to the nuts and bolts of a product and the claims that the product makes and the evidence they have to support those claims. And so while um, they said they wanted to carry us, they actually took us through a six-month process where um, they evaluated all of our Uh, material, all of our marketing claims. They looked at the technology, our clinical studies. Uh, They had their lawyers look at everything. And so by the time that we launched with them, uh, they felt really confident that um, we were a, a, a real product that had, that they could stand behind. That they could and what stand is this behind. jade? I don't think I heard oh, about this. Is it, is it just... So a couple years ago, uh, they sold, and I think they actually still sell the product. Uh, it's literally a jade egg. So it's a piece of jade in the shape of an egg. And they call it, I think, the Yanni egg. And you insert it. And the idea behind it is that if you squeeze, it helps build your pelvic floor muscles. So think of it as resistance, like a weight for your vagina. Mm. Well, they took it a step farther than it is, what it is. And if they had just left it at that's what it does, like they shouldn't have gotten any grief because there's hundreds of products like that. But what they did is say the mystical powers of jade mm. will enhance your vagina's spiritual, I don't know. <laughs> so they got a lot of grief and mm. a lot of, um, you know, people were making fun of her and uh, and it became a, you know, late night television. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah. Now I'm so, curious. Now I'm so curious. people questioned her credibility yeah. as it relates to real medical issues. Yeah. And so that's why they brought in this whole scientific oh, team. Oh, interesting. And so what type of culture um, are you proud of building at Joylux? And is it consistent throughout the companies that you've led? I'd like to think so. Um, one of my tenets as a CEO is to hire really competent people and let them do their jobs and not get in their way. Um, so I really think of people as my partners, and um, I'm there to provide them with the tools and access to think access to the tools to help them uh, achieve you know achieve success in their roles. But I really hope that they can you know, 
do what they want and run with it. So I try to stay out of their way. Mm-hmm. When they're not performing, then I get in there and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in there with them. Uh, but um, so th- uh, but in general, um, it's really a culture of teamwork mm-hmm. and everybody knows what is expected and, and what role and how they contribute to the overall, um, you know, success of the company. Mm-hmm. And so is there a word that you would use to describe yourself as a leader? Um, wow. It seems to me I'm getting the word like visionary. Oh, you really are. Yes, yes. You know, you seem to have quite the vision. Are you also detailed? Uh, less detailed, much more big picture. Uh, in fact, funny you should say that word because on our website, we're about to launch with a photo of the team. And I'm really proud that 90% of the people working for me are women. Uh, and so we are definitely a women focused, women led company. And so of this picture of their team, the word that's above me is visionary. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah it really feels like it just in talking to you. And I've obviously someone who's started companies. You have to have a vision, but you just seem to be an innovator also. Like you're really ahead of these industries. Do you have a coach or a mentor? I uh, good question. I have uh not any formal coaches or mentors. I have a great group of investors that I often um talk to on a regular basis, mm-hmm. whether it's every day or at least once a week. And they've been very helpful. These are um, primarily women um, who've had great successes in their careers. Um, And so they can provide a lot of um, feedback, insights, lessons learned. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been Anyone that you can just be 100% vulnerable with, though? Hmm, That doesn't have a vested interest? No, not yet. Mm -hmm. Not yet. That's the tough part. Are you okay being vulnerable? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where we go back to, gosh, if I had a, a great partner, maybe that's something I could share. Um, yeah. When you're feeling just like, oh, my God, I had a shit day. Yeah. And, and I need you know, to... life isn't perfect and I'm not perfect. Do you feel successful? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I look at what we've accomplished. Um, and one of the things is here is so we have this technology in a market that has not seen innovation in decades. And we're going about it with a business model that is fairly new. I mean, to ask your OBGYN to sell a product, you know, there's not a lot of them doing that. Mm -hmm. Yet here we are a year later from launching, and we're sold in roughly 250 doctor's offices. And doctors that are some of the best and brightest in their field, and we have convinced them that we have a technology solution that is safe, effective, and works really, really well and is changing lives. And to get these minds, the brightest minds in the field of women's uh, intimate health, to be part of our company says a lot. So, yes, I'm so incredibly uh, proud of what we've accomplished. Mm -hmm. We're still at the beginning, and we have lots of... um, uh, uh, we, we, lots of room to grow. Mm-hmm. And is the goal of... to just get in every single doctor's office? I, uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously think, like, yeah, but every, but to uh, have market share success to me. So we're in 250. When we have hit 3000 doctors, I will know that we've arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to hear the, um, life-changing stories that we hear from women, it is so inspiring when a woman 
takes time out of her day to email us or call us and tell us how this device is changing her life. That's awesome. I love that. And so are you um, feeling balanced as a working mom? No. No. And we're, tell me, how tell do me, you, how do tell you, me, this is where I need help. How do I get balance? Well, we're going to find you some help. <laughs> exactly. Um, how, how do you balance? I mean, do you have, it's really, really you, Here's what I think. I think you need to get an au pair. Well, I have, so I do have a like nanny. A live-in. I have a nanny and she has um, been so incredible. So when mm-hmm. we talk about balance, I think I look at it and there's kind of four areas. There's your work, there's your children, there's you personally, and then there's your your partner, your you know, the lover in your life. And I'm doing a really good job of work and my kid. The other two, uh, not so not so much. Mm-hmm. So that's where I say yes, balance for me has been a little challenging. And are you clear on what you're looking for? Oh yeah, very clear. Um, someone that I, I'm a really independent woman, and um, I've I, I want someone that's going to embrace that independence mm-hmm. and give me the freedom to fly and do the things I need to do, but come together and share time and special moments. But is perfectly secure uh, in their own um, self-being to allow me to shine and and fly. Mm -hmm. And probably someone who's passionate in general about something. Yes. Passionate about life. Passionate about something. Because I'm a very passionate person. It goes back to what I said earlier. I'm a Sagittarius. We're very, we're fiery, passionate uh, people. I thought that was us. We're the Scorpios. Oh, well, Scorpios, you you, you know, you got to be careful. You see a Scorpios like to sting. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you really cross them. My leash is very long. Okay. I'm extremely loyal. Um, And so how do you like to spend time outside of work and when you're with Coleman? or with your friends, what is like the perfect day? If you could balance it all. Yeah. So I uh, balance uh, a little bit of um, my time with my son. Um, we love to ride bikes. Uh, we love to go on walks and hikes. Uh, last night I came home from work and we spent an hour and a half doing arts and crafts. He's, he's you know, very... Uh, loves the um, arts. And and so that's been fun for me. So that was a really nice evening. Now, I enjoy my time with my girlfriends, too. So having a glass of wine, getting caught up, uh, having a nice dinner outside, uh, you know, that's important, too. So I Mm -hmm. think I do a pretty good job of uh, taking that into account. And if you were to take better care of putting you first, what would you be doing? Uh, hitting the gym a little more often than oh, I do. I'll make you come with me. <laughs> okay. But the problem is I like to eat and drink too, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, see that's, that's where I don't have balance. I love having a glass of wine and I certainly love my Mexican food. Oh, uh, me thanks too. to my, uh, uh, Coleman's nanny who makes the best Mexican food ever. Oh, that's so dangerous. That's my favorite, favorite, yeah. favorite. Um, so this is a little bit more of an intense question. I'll ask a couple questions, but is there something that you would like to see change in our world or, you know, in the next 10 years as far as kind of the world that we're leaving for Coleman and my kids and everyone else's? Well, certainly um, there is two areas. So first, let's talk about um, and not about Coleman, but more about women. I, I think we as a society have gone so We've progressed so much, and um, we've really come far. When we talk about uh, uh, RBG, Ruth, and how much she's helped women have equality and the things that she's done, 
we still, there's this unconscious um, bias, and we still live in a world where it's dominated by white men. And so while we're making good headway, I'd still like to see more um, opportunities for women. So just on the funding side, I if I, if I may share a, a quick little story, uh, women, as we know, because we read about it, we still get less than 2% of the funding. And I've done a great job of uh, surrounding myself with very uh, awesome investors, and they've certainly put a lot of money into the company, but they're all angel investors. The institutional money isn't there yet, because when you go to get institutional money and you walk into a venture capital firm, it's typically, to this day, still dominated by older white men. Mm -hmm. And so when they see me, um, they don't quite know how to react. And then I add the word vagina on top of that. And then they're like, what? Everyone's like, rat row. Yeah, their face gets red. They turn the other way. And, you know, I'm, I won't hear from them, even though this is a huge market, a huge business opportunity. And so um, and I don't think anybody's being trying to be intentional about it. I think that we try to work with align ourselves with people that are like us. And that's where that unconscious bias comes in. So what I've now done is when I go to pitch these groups, I'll bring in my CFO, who is a 65 year old white male, and I get a totally different reaction. It's me talking. He's just literally. Do you standing address there. the elephant in the room? Like, just come in hard and say, no. no pun intended, but just come in boldly and say, "Here's the deal, guys. I'm going to talk to you about vaginas." Oh yes, yes, that. Like, like yeah. everybody oh, needs yeah, to yeah. let it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. And they I, still turn red and still turn their cheeks. Yeah, this whole market of women's health and women's intimate health is enormous, enormous. Mm -hmm. But we need access to the right capital to mm -hmm. be able to continue to innovate and grow and, and reach women. So so what I'd like to see, going back to your question, is, you know, I'd like to see a world in which women's companies and women CEOs and founders have a lot more than 2% of institutional money. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I'm getting the sense that I will probably know the answer to this question, but the final question is, what fuels you? Making a difference. Making a difference in the world, whether I can do it one vagina at a time, <laughs> one face, one vagina, <laughs> or through my kid, uh, through my kid Coleman, I know this kid is destined for great things. He is a remarkable child at four years old, uh, and I know that it was meant to be. Uh, I'm not a, a, a really a religious person, but I believe things happen for a reason. And him coming into this world. Uh, despite like the odds, yeah. <laughs> uh, was for uh, something. And I don't know what that something is. And maybe I'll never know. But Coleman was destined to do great things. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. But going back to the work that we're doing at Joylux, I've even talked about the company. The company's yeah. name is Joylux. It's so funny. I was like, what is the name of the company? Have we said that? Now, I know the name, but I'm thinking to the listeners yeah. know that it's called, well, you said it. Joylux. And we have two products. Yeah. Uh, v Sculpt, uh, and that's available outside the United States. And then V Fit is available here in the U.S. So getvfit.com. And uh, so I know that our product can make a difference in women's lives, in their partners' lives, because you are you have now a more confident uh, woman. And so that's what really motivates me. I love that.
Thank you for being on oh, the podcast. Thank you, so fun Shana. To you're doing such amazing you. things by helping. Thank uh, you. Uh, you know, bring people onto your show, and uh, it's been really, really fun. I have to say, and I'm getting to know people better. Like we just got good time together. When was the last time we did this? I know, right? It's over dinner, I think, last summer. So we yeah. need to do more of it. But thank you for, for letting sure. me share. Add in the wine. <laughs> and then exactly. the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of, where is the wine? <laughs> we need it. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You. Thank you.